The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's sermon, Brother McNeil Honey, who has been exercising a gift to preach under the authority of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church in Ecola, Alabama, brings us a wonderful sermon regarding talents. Brother McNeil takes us to the parable in the book of Matthew about the man who gave talents to his servants. He reminds us that God has given all of us certain talents and that we're to use them for his glory and not to hoard them or to squander them. I hope you'll join us today for the first half of the sermon and tomorrow for the conclusion of this sermon about talents and how we should use them for the Lord. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Who is this that comes from
We're going to begin in Matthew, the 25th chapter this morning. We're going to look at one of the parables of Jesus that begins in verse 14. And many of those as the parable of the talents. Um, And we'll spend a few minutes as you all are turning there talking about what a parable is and also what Jesus meant it to be. I mean, Jesus told these parables in such a way that, as simply stated, the truth was revealed to those who had the capacity to understand it and desired to know it, and it was hidden from those who did not. I mean, we know that's the case because that's still true even to this day. So I hope we read this parable this morning understanding that Jesus is telling us this account to illustrate to us a series of crucial, important, and deep spiritual truths. That is to say, this tale is revealing truths to us about our discipleship and our journey through this life as children of God. Now, we'll open this parable not by reading from Matthew, the 25th chapter, but by reading from Luke, the 19th chapter, and the 11th verse. This is the companion passage to Matthew, the 25th chapter, and it's telling us Jesus is still telling the same parable, um, even in a different gospel. In, Ma- in Luke, chapter 19, and the 11th verse, we read, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now, let's not lose our grasp of the context in which Jesus is delivering this parable. They're drawing nigh to Jerusalem, and Jesus decides to tell this parable because of some specific thoughts that are going on in the disciples' mind. They believed the kingdom of God was to be manifested in their lifetime when Jesus claimed the political power of the land of Israel. And you see this throughout the Gospels. They envisioned their Messiah, Jesus, taking political control of the land of Israel of which they were a part. And Jesus is reminding them, saying, wait, you have the wrong vision of what the kingdom of God is to be. And he tells them this parable to illustrate what he believed and what he proclaimed that the kingdom of God should be. In verse 12, still in Luke chapter 19, he said, therefore, he said because of these things, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Here's the context in which we're reading this parable. The framing of the entire parable is that a nobleman has gone into a far country with the intention of returning. And Jesus wanted to illustrate to his disciples, I'm not staying in this land to establish my kingdom in its most direct sense upon this earth. I'm leaving. Jesus was to die. He was to ascend back and sit at the right hand of the Father. But yet, he tells his disciples, I am to return. So as we read Matthew chapter 25, let's keep that in mind. And again in verse 14 in Matthew 25, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several abilities and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Then likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one 
went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So the people of this time would have understood Jesus perfectly. Remember, there was no such thing as the internet. There was not etrade.com. There was not the electronic stock market. And so this king, he decides to go into a far country, and he tasks several of his servants with the responsibility of caring for his money. And so this man, he goes into a far land, and we see what the servants do with the money that the Lord, the king, the traveling nobleman, has given them. One's given five, the other two, and the other one. And so what does the first servant do that's received five talents? Well, he goes and he doubles the amount of talents that he had been given by his Lord. This is a productive servant because when his Lord returns, as we'll find, the Lord's going to look at the five talents that he gave to his servant and he'll realize this productive servant has doubled the amount of money that I gifted to him. And still again, the servant who was given slightly less money than the first does the same thing and doubles uh, the nobleman's resources. But the third servant takes his money, he digs a hole, and he puts it in the ground, and he buries it. Now, let's, let's think about how much money these servants might have been given. This is not just a small portion, perhaps the nobleman's uh, resources that he had available to him. Five talents is valued at around $1.5 million in today's, today's time. So this man trusted this servant. Um, an incredible amount. One talent would be around $350,000 to help us uh, just a point of reference in today's currency. So this nobleman, he's entrusted these servants with quite a bit of money. One, two have taken it and they've doubled that money. And the other has taken it uh, and he's buried it in the ground. So in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, we in the kingdom of God this morning, are in the position of these servants that have received talents at the hand of their king. We'll go ahead and cut right to the chase in terms of this parable. You and I have been the recipients of talents from a gracious king who, yes, runs the risk of giving precious things to his children and then taking those resources and burying them in the ground. You know, there's a risk involved um, an investment. This man, he's investing. You may take some of your money, you may give it to a financial planning company, and they're going to try to, to uh, increase your gains, increase your money, just as this man did. The king, he's running a risk here because he's given his servants money, and he doesn't really know what they're going to do with it. Now, the Lord knows exactly what we're going to do with this kingdom. 
But we have a responsibility that's tasked to us. How will we use the resources that we have been graciously given by the Lord? And really, we have alternatives. We have two alternatives. We can either reinvest the resources that he's given us and care carefully for those things and watch it grow into something great and majestic and incredible, or we can take our talents and we can bury them in the ground. The word talent that we use to this day came from this parable. We didn't have an exact word that we used to describe the concept of a talent until scripture was translated and the word talent was adopted as part of the English language. But what, is, what does the word talent mean? Well, it's, it's a spiritual ability. It's a spiritual aptitude. It may be a resource like the kingdom of God that's revealed within children of God around us in the church or within ourselves. It's any gift that we've received from above. What do we read in James about good and perfect gifts? Well, that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Anything good, anything holy, anything precious that you see around you, that is a gift from our gracious Savior? Does it not cause us to look differently at the things that we have graciously received at the hand of God? Is there something good in your life? Is there someone that you love deeply in your life? Is there some blessing that you've unworthily received at some point throughout the time that you've existed upon this earth? I'm here to tell you that this morning that that gift is from God and we are unworthy of it. And these servants, they've received gifts at the hand of their king. Look at the gifts scattered throughout your life that you've received at the hand of your king. What are those? Perhaps this church body, a wonderful gift that we've received at the, for the graciousness of our king. Your family, maybe the material blessings that we are blessed to enjoy here in the United States of America, any number of things, fill in the blank for your personal situation. They're gifts from our king. But each of these servants didn't necessarily receive the same thing. They received a rich blessing, we know that, regardless of whether they received one talent or five talents. But they weren't all given the same thing, and the Lord uses this example, specific manner, from what we can tell from Scripture, because not all of us receive the same gifts. Not all of us have the same gifts. Some may be more clearly evident than others. Some of us may still be reinvesting and developing our resources to develop the type of return that we see in this parable. We all receive different gifts. You know, Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 12. He says, we're, we're many members in one body, all members have, and all members have not the same office. That is to say, out of all of the people here in this room today, not all of us have the same responsibilities and gifts in the kingdom of God. Not all of us may be called to be song leaders. Not all of us may call, be called to be ministers. Not all of us are blessed with the gift of encouragement or the gift of generosity or maybe one of the other gifts that Paul specifically mentions in Romans chapter 12. We're all the recipients of different talents. We're all the recipients of different amounts at the hands of of our Lord and His grace. But regardless, the responsibility remains the same. Those are, be, are to be deployed in the kingdom of God. They're to be taken and they're to be poured back into the kingdom of God as it's appeared on this earth. And with the blessing of God, we'll receive those, we'll see those grow 
and expand and bless those around us. What are we not to do? Well, the answer is clearly evident in this parable as we continue to read. Verse 24, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping while thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed, and I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So what has this man done? Well, again, he's taken the one talent, this substantial sum of money that the king's entrusted him with, and he hasn't put it to use out of concern over what might happen if he utilizes his gift. He takes it and he buries it in the ground. You all may think of the passage in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, where we read, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house." What is Jesus saying? He's illustrating the same principle. He's saying, don't take the talent that the Lord has given you and bury it in the earth. Don't take the grave responsibility that is the kingdom of God, the candle that is to shed light across the globe and place it under a bushel basket. Because a talent is meant to be invested in the kingdom of God. A candle is meant to bring light. And so the Lord, he looks at this servant in the same way that he would look at someone that's taken their light and placed it in a bushel basket. And he sees the servant's fear. And he sees their unprofitability. And he says to them, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which have hath ten talents. So the Lord, the king, returning king, he looks at this unprofitable servant and he says, Servant, I'm not concerned with what you may have thought the returns from this talent may have been. Why did you not take it that I might have come back and received what I had given you with just a little bit of interest? Why didn't you take it to the money changers that would have been in that day and said, well, hey, take this and place this talent in this new structure that's being built. Take this talent and use it to fund a project elsewhere in the land. And when the Lord returns, he can have the gains that I've received from that investment. No, the servant, he takes it and he buries it in the ground. That was a common way of protecting wealth. Before there were banks, before there were financial institutions, people would take their money and they would bury it in the ground. And the servant, he's realized that I don't know what's going to happen with this talent. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what may happen with this gift that the Lord has given me. Let me take my talent and I will bury it in the ground. Let me take my candle and I'll hide it under a bushel basket. Let me take the city that's supposed to be set upon a hill where all can see and build it deep within a valley where it's not a guide to travelers along their way. And it's all well and good. But you see, 
The Lord has asked us to reinvest the talents that we have been gifted. The Lord has asked us to take the blessings that we have received at his hand and pour them back into the kingdom of God, to pour them back into the church, to pour them into those around us, to let them be a light which casts his glory in every interaction that we have. And if we don't, the Lord often takes the blessing of the talent and he gifts it to those that will use it uh, more efficiently and in the proper spiritual manner. You know, when we see churches fading and passing away, their doors are shut, often it's because someone has taken a talent that the Lord has given them and they haven't examined Scripture carefully enough and they don't understand how it is to be used. The Lord has a way that He would like for us to use the church, the blessing of the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I've heard many, many people say it many, many different times. The church will be here in one form or another till the Lord returns. Praise God. He promised that to us. He promised it to his disciples. And it's scattered all throughout the scriptures in both the Old and New Testament. But the question is, will the church be present and active in our lives? Will it be where we can access the church and we can reap the blessings and the talents of the church as is expressed to us? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Because oftentimes when there is a talent, when there is perhaps a church, and it's misused, the Lord imparts that blessing to someone else. It's a very, very grave responsibility, reality. Now praise God. Our eternal destination is not contingent upon how we use the talents that we've been given. On how we use the blessings that we've been given. This is not a parable which is illustrating to us that, hey, if the Lord's blessed you with a gift and you unwisely misuse it, you'll be cast into an eternity of hell, an eternity of flame and fire. But yet at the same time, if you delve deep within the meaning of this verse, it means to be cast into the outer darkness of ignorance and misunderstanding. I don't want to be cast outside of the church because of my my lack of ability to use the talents that I've been given by the Lord. The Lord has a very specific uh, set of instructions for our talents. Romans chapter 12, which you all are so familiar, we'll we'll read a few verses. In Romans chapter 12, has been on my mind nearly every week for quite some time. The only thing I can decide is the reason it has been on my mind so frequently is because there, it is incredibly relevant to the state of the church and to the state of our world today. It's not just relevant in the time that it was written by Paul, it's also relevant today. And Paul says, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, in this passage, Christ is calling us to make a sacrifice of our bodies and lives in faith. What was the unprofitable servant's fear? Well, he feared that he would invest his talent he would take his talent out, out to the money changers for usury, and he would not receive benefits of, of his invested talent. 
That's why we are called to make sacrifices and to utilize our talents in faith. What is faith? Well, faith allows us to have a spiritual understand or confidence in the future. Even when our rational minds may not be able to understand or comprehend what the future holds. What if this unprofitable servant had decided to invest his talent in faith? He had decided to make a sacrifice in faith. He wouldn't have been concerned with the potential returns or maybe his Lord's wrath when, when the Lord came back and he realized that things had not been going so well. No, he would have taken the talent just as these other profitable servants did, taken it out and placed it in the market and have been able to offer something to his Lord in return. See, when we make sacrifices in faith, when we're called to do incredible things in the name of the kingdom of God and in the name of our Savior, oftentimes they don't make sense to the world around us. They may not be something purely rational, a purely rational sacrifice that we can understand. Let's think about the example of Abel early on in the book of Genesis. What? Abel and Cain both made sacrifices, did they not? Abel sacrifices the, the fruit of his flock. And Cain sacrifices the fruit of the ground. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a herder of flocks. At that time, we didn't have any particular instructions as to the nature of the sacrifice that those two men should have made. Now, if Cain had gone before, in the time of the Levitical law, he had taken the fruit of the ground to the temple, and he had said, well, here are my stalks of wheat. I would like to offer them up to the Lord. Obviously, that's in a complete contradiction to the principle of blood sacrifice that the Levitical law required. Now, part of the reason we don't receive any specific instructions as to what Cain should have offered is because it's not about what Cain offered, and it's not necessarily about what Abel offered it's about the attitude in which they did it. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.